1: And a good hump day Wednesday here on an OTA week for the Philadelphia Eagles on Birds 365. You got your Mack and Mack guys here, John McMullen and Jody McDonald, ready to hang with you for the next couple hours. Uh, Johnny Mackin, and a busy day in Philly sports yesterday. Flyers make a big trade. Phillies win their fourth consecutive game. The Eagles grabbed attention, too, by making a bunch of players available. Uh, they're in the midst of week two of their off uh, the, the OTAs, uh, no mandatory stuff. So, uh, tomorrow you get a chance to take attendance and see who is or isn't there for the Eagles. But we know a bunch of guys who were a couple of veterans who spoke yesterday. They kind of split it up positional groups, two offensive linemen, two running backs and a coach, uh, biggest name of name of which was, uh, Lane Johnson, And Lane uh, talked about the future, not only this upcoming year, but where his career is taking him from here. Uh, Sounded to me like Lane's not planning on going anywhere, Johnny Mack.
4: No, um, he did throw a little, you know, he mentioned to us last year that he was thinking about two more years after uh, last year, which would be 2023 and 2024. He signed the extension as he typically does, which is more, you know, he basically gets his money up front and a uh, little bit added on and, and, and the Eagles get some salary cap relief. They've done that so many times with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you look at his deal on paper, it's 2026, really. Um, and he, he was asked, you know, is this your last contract? And he said, Yes. Um, and then later he mentioned he thinks he's got a couple good years left in him. So I, I, you know, Lane's 33. I think he's rapidly coming to the the point where we are with Jason Kelsey when it becomes year to year with him. So I think when you get through 2024, which is in his mind, a couple good years, then it comes into. Where is he? Is he healthy? Is he feeling good? Is he playing good? But, you know, you got to start thinking about life after. um, And the Eagles have been doing it for a while with Jason Kelsey. But then now they got to start doing it with Lane Johnson. And that kind of sucks because it's a great player. Great, great player. Um, Best right tackle in football one of the best offensive linemen, regardless of position in football. Um, and he's not going to be easy to replace when ultimately you have to replace him.
1: Right. Uh, kind of like Kelsey, they keep drafting his replacement at center and they end up playing other positions for the Eagles cause Jason Kelsey has been going nowhere fast. Uh, might be the same with, uh, Mr. Johnson, because uh, Steen, the kid that they took in the third round, who was in the competition for right guard, certainly played right tackle at Alabama. So he could step in there. He actually
4: played left tackle at Alabama. So, right. Uh, uh, you he know, played both. But he's played right tackle to pass at Vanderbilt. Um, he could play a bunch of different positions. It, it could be one of those situations where, you know, you start him out at guard, kick him out to tackle. But you know what, Jody? They mentioned that years ago with Lane Johnson, but it was, you know, they drafted him to be the left tackle uh, for people that don't remember. Uh, But Jason Peters was still playing at a high level. So they said, well, let's start him at right tackle. Then we'll move him over. And ultimately he got so good at right tackle and, and the position changed from the standpoint of, you know, Lane's been playing so long, back when he started um most of the good pass rushers were on Gary Cobb and I were talking about this before Lane talked and then he talked about it, it was interesting um back when he started most of the great pass rushers were um on the weak side so right defensive ends against left tackles um and that has shifted as the game has evolved and you see all the guys right here. You have Hassan reddick. He, he plays mainly on the left side over the right tackle. Von um, Miller, you know, Micah Parsons uh, on and on and on to Marcus Lawrence, all the Cowboys to market. If you want to go back to, to Marcus Ware, where um, a lot of them line up over Lane Johnson and, and, it's not, you don't have that weird sort of disconfiguration where all the good pass rushers are on one side. So they're like, let's just keep them there. So it it's changed pretty quickly in the NFL. That's why yesterday we got, I mentioned that yesterday on the show, Jody, you know, 1990s, forget about 1990s. The game's not this. Lane Johnson's been playing, what, 11 years? And that's how drastically the game has changed. In those 11 years.
1: And the best teams with the best attacks have guys who can switch from side to side on the pass rush, who can come at you from the left side or come at you from the right side. Eagles, that's why the Eagles have arguably the best offensive line. Guy pick your side. We dare you to get by Lane Johnson. We dare you get by Jordan Mailata. We, 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 we'll be okay whichever direction. You bring your best pass rusher. We think our tackle is going to be able to keep you out. Uh, I think that is a big reason why the Eagles have uh, the best offensive line in all of football. All right, so Lane spoke, as did Landon Dickerson, a guy who plays on the other side, inside at the guard position. And as I just mentioned, a lot of people have the Eagles for football focus, a bunch of other uh, respected outlets that are doing this preseason ranking stuff, have the Eagles as the best offensive line. And Lane is just another example of a guy who's, came into the national football league and was said, yeah, we're going to cross train you and you may end up somewhere else. And that's exactly what happened. He ended up at the right guard position for them, even though he was the first of those who were brought in to replace Travis, <laughs> to replace Mr. Kelsey in the middle. And that, that opening just hasn't come just yet. Um, I watched the uh, video after it was posted yesterday. The thing that jumped out to me was, and he's always been a relaxed guy. Coming in in his coveralls when he was first drafted by the Eagles, he has, has been a guy that hasn't been uh, taken back by the moment of making the transition from college football to the NFL. But he seems even more relaxed. He's a guy who seems very comfortable in his own skin. Did Landon Dickinson say anything yesterday that you thought shed some light on both where he's at and Eagles offensive line at this stage?
4: Now, Landon's pretty understated. One thing about Landon Dickerson, if you listen to Landon, you think he stinks because he's so hard on himself. Um, you know, he always says, you know, there's so much to work on. Where do you need to get better? He ran down run blocking, pass blocking, screens, er- er- everything. He th- he, he, you would think you're talking about the worst player in the world, and then you go to the film and he's just mauling people. Um and, and the scary part is he's got a, a lot of room to improve. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned the Kelsey-era parent thing. But he wasn't the first. Isaac was the first. <laughs> so they've been going all the way back to Isaac Sayamala. Isaac Sayamala was drafted to be the center, the right. heir apparent to be Jason Kelsey. Then it went to Landa Dickerson. Then it went to Cam Jergens. And who knows, you know, if Cam Juergens settles down and plays well at right guard this season it might turn into somebody else um i don't think that's going to happen but we'll we'll see because i think cam's a, a a natural center and they like his athleticism but you never know uh if he takes to um right guard they might say i want to move him um and and they might go in a different direction but yeah i mean they took a a calculated gamble on Landon Dickerson from a health standpoint, tore his ACL, uh, for those who don't know in the eight sec championship game. So it was really late. Um, and you know, they weren't expecting him to be, to be ready, uh, early in the season, all of a sudden, um, it was Brandon Brooks who got hurt. And he had to throw him in at right guard, um, first, um, And he wasn't completely healthy. I remember his first play got run over and we're like, Oh, Oh, what's going What this. This might not be pretty. And yeah, didn't, didn't take long, but it, but it ultimately, you know, then Isaac got hurt and they, they moved him over to left guard, put Jack Driscoll at right guard. And that had more to do with Jack being more comfortable on the right side. Um, all those dominoes and he ends up at left guard. It's just a bit him and him and my lot are so strong and so powerful mm-hmm. become some so close George, uh, you know, in his wedding. Um, that's an impressive left side from a standpoint of pushing people around. I mean, they lead the league and pancakes that left side of the Eagles offensive line. All right. And that's a, yeah.
1: Stat that you can't necessarily look up. You got to be watching every single game and go, man, who's coming up off the ground? Yeah, he had no shot on that play. That is the Eagles offensive line. And they showcased the running backs yesterday, the returning running backs yesterday uh, with both Boston Scott and Kenny Gainwell talking. Uh, Those guys, when you had a chance to watch last week, actually were leading Uh, in the reps, that they showed deference to the guys who were here previously over a Rashad Penny and a Swift. Um, They both, again, and uh, you get your expected answers in preseason practice and just trying to get through it and everything else, but both of the guys just looked real comfortable for the upcoming season, that there wasn't any nervousness on either of those two guys, specifically Boston Scott who plays the role that he plays, and his role is probably going to be similar this year. What you take from anything that Boston Scott put forward
4: yesterday? Yeah, man. I He's the leader of the room. It's, it's so funny to think about, you know, how long he's been here now, 2018, uh, which was his rookie season. He got plucked uh, off the uh, Saints practice squad, uh, and he's been here essentially ever since, got cut once but brought back early uh, and now he's just you know he's one of those guys there's an old adage I heard it again about Boston Scott um, it's been around in the NFL for a while if you, you can't win with 53 Boston Scots but you can't win without one you always need some you know whether you want to call him a glue guy whether you want to call him you know a utility guy I used to bring up the baseball comparison, the Jim sports comparison, the old school utility player. Everybody's you see it in football. We talk about it all the time. Well, go sign so-and-so to be the fifth receiver, you know, the pro bowl, whatever, or Leonard Floyd. We talked about, uh, talk about earlier this week, go sign him to be the fifth, uh, defensive end. That's not how it works. You got to have utility guys. You got to have, um, You got to have guys who cannot play, not play, not play, not play. And then when they're asked to play, perform. Right. And that's been the definition of Boston Scott, as the New York Giants can tell you. Um, You know, you need him, he's there, and you brush him off, and he performs. Um, And it's important to have, and he's a big part. Now he's the leader of that room. which is kind of amazing, but, uh, yeah, ultimately I think it's going to be Swift or Penny, um, Swift, maybe Swift and Penny. Um, maybe Kenny Gainwell has an outside chance, uh, but we all know Penny's injury history. DeAndre Swift doesn't have the greatest injury history. Um, they're going to need those two guys. Um, and they're comfortable knowing, they're probably going to produce when they're out there.
1: Did Boston Scott talk at all yesterday about the uh, kickoff return rule change? Yeah, he uh, did.
4: He called it dumb like everybody else that is dumb. Uh, then he called himself. <laughs> and, you know, he basically said he doesn't like it, makes the game um, less entertaining, which I think we all agree with. Um, but – it's the rule, and, and, and then he just turned to, we got to deal with it and, and we'll, we'll be able to deal with it. You know, I, I do think because we talked about pretty much all season, uh, special teams was a weakness. Um, not when Boston took over the kickoff returns, he was good. 27 yards per kid. That's good. That's a good, Now it was only, uh, a portion of the season. It took way too long to pull that rip cord. Um, but when they did, they were good, um, on kickoff opportunities. So he had a 66 yarder against guess who the giants, he had a, uh, 50 something. It was 57, 58 against Dallas. Um, he was good. Um, it took too long to get there. um, And now it's probably not going to matter that he's good at it because kickoffs have become even less relevant than they were before. So, unfortunately
1: for him. But he's already got his niche carved out with the Eagles. We know he's going to be here. Like you said, he's a glue guy, and every team needs their glue guy. So, he's going to uh, be in the mix (laughs) at the running back position and is uh, the the guy who's been here the longest. So, that gives him a little – Gravitas as well. Uh, Kenny Gainwell, I know some people predicted, projected because he got a chance to play late in the season, was better in the postseason than he was at all during the regular season. Uh, Miles Sanders didn't help in the Super Bowl with a bad first play. So they uh, decided they were going to lean on Gainwell even more. Um, Yes, they went out and got two guys who are already established, more so than Kenny Gainwell, as running backs this year. Uh, I, you and I see this exactly the same. Those who continue to pound, on, yeah, Jalen's going to get better. Eagles are going to throw the ball to the backs that much more this year. Yeah, maybe. I'll doubt it. Uh, Jalen Hurts like taking off rather than going to dump-down mode for his running backs. Did uh, Gainwell talk at all about the fact that, yeah, I can still catch the ball out of the backfield, and that he hopes it's more part of the Eagles' offense this year?
4: No, I mean, Kenny, I, I talked about Landon being understated, Kenny even more so. Um, but I, I think everybody knows um, Kenny is a good receiver. Well, when I say everybody, everybody in the organization, like there's no doubt that he can catch the football. The Eagles don't use that aspect. Um and not because of Kenny Gainwell, and that's it's it's more of a pump the brakes on DeAndre Swift. Yeah, DeAndre can catch the football. Yes, he's good at it. Um, I don't think it's going to be that relevant to this particular offense. Same thing, um, but it's nice to have if you have to go to Marcus Mariota or you know, God forbid, Ian Book or or Tanner McKee. It's nice to have. Uh, but I don't think it's as relevant as, like, the Chargers with Austin Eckler. I think if Kenny Gainwell was in a different offense, he'd already be catching sixty balls a year. That's how good of a receiver he is. But I don't think it's going to be as relevant in this offense. You and know, I see that one
1: exactly the same.
4: Uh, he's Mac on Mac. That makes it
1: Birds 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. We got two good guests coming your way a little bit later on. Chris Franklin from NJ.com will jump in with us. But first things first, we're headed down the shore to talk to our guy, Mike Gill from ESPN's 97.3 Sports Bass Show. Mike Gill, Wednesday here with us on Birds 365. Next.
5: Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app.
6: And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC
5: Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on.
0: Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit. And the hits. Go for the stakes And the stakes.
6: Eagles, Eagles.
1: Appreciate you getting here on Birds Three Sixty Five with Mac and Mac, McMullen and McDonald. We are usually graced on Wednesday with the presence of Mike Gill from the Sports Pass ninety three ninety seven point three ESPN down the shore. All right, Gil, we can note that it's kind of maroonish. Uh, lean back and show us who you're repping today on the T-shirt.
4: Atlantic Shore Baseball, baby. Atlantic Shore Baseball. He's turned the corner from the smart colleges. You're going <laughs> it's local. the season.
9: season. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's baseball season. You know, uh, for those who don't know, I've been coaching. This is my 18th season.
1: 18? You've been coaching that long? 18, baby.
9: I was, hey, interning, for for like, like, I was interning for you. I was interning for you and go
1: right from the field to coaching. What the hell they do with you? Pretty
9: much. Once I left college, I got uh, asked or to, to take over this team, and I haven't. I just kept doing it.
4: 18. Oh, I was talking to D.J. Elliott last year. He mentioned uh, he's been coaching for 24 years. Um, you know, it's now, one of those things
9: where it's just like a routine almost, where like the times of the season come and you just start getting into it. And, you know, it's it's fostered a lot of good relationships. And, and I won a World Series, Jody.
1: World Series. The Jersey Shore World Series? No. How the do you world series take down to win that world world series.
4: series. How does that work, Mike? How does that work? The World Series. Are, are we getting teams from Japan and South? No, Korea? uh,
9: but we did beat a team from Hawaii. We beat a team from Tallah- uh Tallahassee, Florida. Uh the team that we beat in the World Series was from Connecticut.
1: Now what um, are we talking about here?
9: What? What age group? Oh. 13 the the age group that nobody cares about cuz it's the year after they go to the Little League World Series but this is the first year on the big field at 13 years old. Nice. Um, yeah. We won deal. the states, we won the regional, we went to the World Series and we won the World Series.
4: Damn. Was I it could... Stamford, Connecticut? Cuz they got a bunch No, of it was
9: Nor- Norwalk, Connecticut. All right.
4: All right. Nice, that Connecticut nice.
9: area is very good. They're always really good. But Hawaii, like the Hawaiian teams at that age group, they're always like really good. Tallahassee, Florida, the kid throwing was 13 years old. He was throwing in the 80s. I mean, the Phillies could use wow. him in their bullpen. Wow. 80s. Yeah, that's pretty good.
1: Now, what year was this, Mikey Gill?
9: Two years ago.
1: Okay. Did, did you get McMullen to foot uh, the bill for all your travel costs? and? Well,
9: actually, after? um, one of the uh, we have a fundraiser this weekend down the shore at Maynard's, the world famous Maynard's and Margate host our fundraiser. And we use this fundraiser to, uh, you know, to make money for the, you know, the travel and all that stuff, because I've been to the World Series probably, I think, four times. We won it
1: once. That's pretty wow. damn impressive. I guess I'm going to have to start calling you coach. Yeah,
9: man. Rob Thompson's got nothing on me, although I know that coaches in this town are always the worst.
1: But
4: Now Rob won four in a row now, Mike. He's back, he, he's back to being
1: too. a genius. Yeah, yeah he uh, back can peak back in can grade, but... Valley pretty damn fast. Yeah.
4: All right, before you came
1: out, I was talking to Johnny Mack about the offensive line and uh, Lane Johnson going to be here another couple of years. He wasn't supposed to be a right tackle. He was supposed to be a left tackle. And he's never moved from right tackle. And the Eagles have that going again this year, trying to replace Isaac Sayamalu, which of the players who played other positions in college are going to jump in and play right guard. And we know it all starts with Jeff Stoutland. And he is the guru, the man, the guy who whips all these guys together and knows how to perfectly align them. Uh, I know he gets a lot of credit and a lot of love here in town. Do you think that he is the most powerful position coach in the National Football League?
9: Well, I would imagine that not many people can name another position coach in the National Football League. Let alone, I mean, you might be able to name another, you know, obviously coordinators throughout the league. But how many people know another offensive line coach? Really? Like, you might say, okay, there's a a skill position coach somewhere out there. But I can't – now – I don't know. I'd have to defer to John on this one. Maybe is Stoutland that well known only in this region, like because we, you know, because of the closeness we have to the Eagles, or is it a thing around the league that this? Because I, you always ask the question: This guy's so good, we all talk about it all the time. Yet we've never heard him connected or considered for other, you know, um, bumps up in in a higher. He just has always been the offensive line coach. I know that he has some uh, designing, right? He he designed some of the run game, stuff There's like that. Game. But I would have to imagine that his position, he is by far the highest and well-regarded at that position. But I wonder if anybody in Minnesota or Chicago or New Orleans or Cincinnati has any clue who he is.
4: Um, I don't know if, you know, depending on – uh, the band obviously there's hardcore fans there's uh, m- most are more casual uh, yeah they probably don't know a ton of offensive line coaches he is regarded as one of the best in the NFL uh, pretty much uh, around the league as far as certain guys you know Mike Munchak uh, Dante Scarnecchia. Bill Callahan, guys like that, you probably heard of, but long time offensive line coaches, really uh, well regarded. He's in there. One of them happening,
9: though, is those guys. You just mentioned Callahan. When he was with the Raiders, he was an offensive yeah. line coach, and then he gets appointed to be the head coach. Once you become yeah. the head coach, you become well known. But once he got that job, you're like, they gave the the head coaching job to the offensive line coach? Like,
4: yeah, what That's here? rare. That's rare. Right. Um, you know, Andy Reid back in the day. Uh, was an offensive lineman. So, I mean, I do and think... he was the quarterback coach, right? No, yeah. As he yeah, before he came here. As he progressed. Right. Um And that's sort of what tends to happen. I was good friends with Mike Tice back in the day, and he eventually went from an offensive line coach uh, to a head coach, and um, you know, overachieved, at least, uh, from the perspective of making the playoffs when he wasn't supposed to. But um, Who was the guy
9: the other it was tony uh sperano
4: yeah, right, yeah. The cowboys yeah um, well, he, got, he
9: became like the interim for the dolphins or something yeah, right yeah
4: he passed away unfortunately uh, a couple of years ago way too soon but uh his son is uh a coach now um yeah with Jeff, i mean I've talked to him about that he um um he kind of fell in love with being an offensive line coach, he, I, for for those who don't know, he was, you know, he, he was an interim head coach in Miami at college. Um, um, uh, So, you know, but he he didn't like it. He he coached linebackers, I think at first, when he first started his coaching career. Um, So a lot of these guys kind of morph and then he just, so-called liking to sort of the math and the angles and he always talks about surfacing blocks and he just fell in love with being an offensive line coach uh and he doesn't want to do anything else uh because he has gotten calls um um and he likes it and he's paid very well uh the eagles you know kind of meant jeffrey Laurie kind of mentioned When he was talking about when when Gannon was leaving to be the head coach, you heard those stories about he was going to give him uh, head coaching money to stay. Eagles fans don't want to hear that. But, you know, uh, when Doug Peterson left, for those who don't remember, Bruce Feldman, who's as plugged in as it gets in college football, reported Jeff was going back to Alabama. He had been in Alabama. Um, And Jeffrey said, "Uh uh-uh. I'm going to give him more money and keep him. And, and Jeff's wife was also a big part of that. She didn't want to leave the area, but um, so she deserves credit. Um, But he's one of the highest paid offensive line coaches. probably the highest paid. I can't say that officially because it's not public, but um, he's certainly among them and the Eagles. Yeah. I mean, they know what they have.
9: And speaking uh, of uh, just to throw, OTA season out there. John Gannon is, is getting some laud out there for the way he is using some of the players that have not been productive. Isaiah Simmons, I've heard I've been reading a lot about their <laughs> OTAs, that they're really excited about the way that Gannon has kind of changed his role in the Cardinals defense. So
4: um yeah, well Cody doesn't uh,
9: like that one, huh?
1: No, and here's why. Who else tell is me happy? a team. I'm tell me a team else. in the National Football League right now that
8: they're, they're is all excited. putting out
1: vibes that. Oh, I dude, said, what it, the it, hell it, do we have here? What a mess we are! Four days into practice, everybody is friggin' great this week. The Arizona Cardinals are going to win four games max this year. Tell them, bud. No matter how big a genius oh, man is, no matter how strategic he is in using players different. Four maps, that's it. If the Cardinals win 4 that'll be the high mark of the season.
9: And it's almost like the movie Major League. If they win more games, they're going to start taking facility things away from them so that they start losing. It's obvious that they don't want to win. But I've said many times for the people who don't like Gannon, every player on the Eagles defense last year had their best season ever.
4: Yeah, most I would, you know. Probably not Slay, but he had a good season. But the only reason he didn't have have his best season because he's had so many good seasons. Um, Uh,
9: Brandon Graham, 11 sacks, more than he's ever had. Hassan Reddick, who, by the way, was a sack master wherever he's been, had 18 and a half sacks. He had significantly more sacks here than he ever had. So he had two different coordinators, actually three. He played for two coordinators in Arizona, one in Carolina, And he had more sacks for this coordinator than he had for any other coordinator. Uh, Every guy, Javon Hargrave, more sacks than he's ever had. Josh, Chauncey Garner-Johnson, more interceptions than he's ever had.
4: Yeah. CJ, Marcus Epps. Fletch
1: didn't
4: like him. Uh, Fletch didn't like him early, um, but he was fine later. People forget. You know, that's kind of amazing you bring that up, Jody, because Fletcher said that very early when the Eagles were struggling in um, Nick Sirianni's first year. He, Fletcher had come off playing for Jim Swartz, who played a completely different uh, 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 defense philosophy up front, and Fletcher liked it because he was playing three technique, and it was about pin your ears back and go get the quarterback. So he liked it. And then they come in with the Bangio scheme, and it's more they call a gap and a half, uh, it's more read and react. It ain't fun, uh, especially for the interior. It's fun for the edge rushers. It's not fun for the interior guys. And Fletch didn't like it. Um, but well, he, he said, "I was in. paid." He said, "I'm paid to sack the quarterback." Yeah. Well, he wasn't being
9: used to sack yeah. the quarterback. He was being used to hold yeah. the line up so that the linebackers
4: can make tackles. Exactly. But he bought in, and as the success came, he was fine with it. Um, but yeah, he'd rather play three technique all the time, no question yeah. about it. But but Hargrave, has, Hargrave had his last year,
9: got himself paid. Look at the two linebackers, the two linebackers got paid.
4: The two, yeah, I mean, every, everybody, everybody, you go down the list, and Slay had a Pro Bowl season, Bradbury had a career season, second team all pro. You mentioned Hargrave, Sweat had his best season, Brandon's played better, but that's because he's. He he had a he had more sacks, but he used to play yeah every play, and he was one of the best deep. So he's a little bit different. Uh Hargrave, I mentioned Sweat, uh TJ had his best season. Kaiser White had his best season as a pro. Marcus Epps had his best season. CJ Gardner Johnson. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh Knuckleheads, Mike. <laughs> you and I discuss it all the time. I mean, what everybody's having their best season and you're complaining about the defense, I don't know what to tell you. I, your your expectations are too high. Nothing's perfect. If you're looking for perfection, you, you great. Chase it, but you ain't getting it. So what do you guys think? The
1: uh, And I know Sean Desai just did the Eagles uh, podcast, uh, the X and O podcast, and uh, a little bit more of his personality came out. Uh, we know that the overall uh, arc of the defense and the philosophy behind it and, quote unquote, the fangioness of it is going to be in place. Where do you think you'll see differences? Can't be exactly the same. It's not going to be a carbon copy of the Johnson and Gannon defense. So if there are certain differences, what do you think will be the easiest to spot and be the most prevalent? That's a good question, because
9: what did um, the new linebacker, Nicholas Morrow, was talking, I guess, yesterday or the day before about how he's never seen more situational like awareness in practices. Like, you know, I guess they're practicing more situational stuff. So you may see them, you know, on third down people with Jim Schwartz you could see the difference in Jim Schwartz's defense on third down they played that sticks defense the guys were so far off the ball so you may see better combinations uh, but I don't know that you're going to have a whole heck of a lot of you know like for instance when Brett Brown was the coach of the Sixers and then Doc Rivers took over they didn't aesthetically look all that but people still complained about Joel Embiid being too far from the basket they didn't aesthetically look different I think Nick Nurse. They might aesthetically. You might watch the Sixers play and be like, "This looks like a different coach team." I don't know that that's going to be the case with, with here. We were talking a lot about this on my show yesterday. Is last year had Fletcher, Linval, and Hargrave in that five man look. So this year, essentially, are those snaps going to be Fletcher, Jordan Davis? and Jalen Carter. And if that's the case, you're not aesthetically going to look a lot different. You're just going to have different pieces playing those roles. So that might be, Jody, the answer is, how different do those players look as opposed right. to how different the the scheme looks?
4: Yeah, and that you, you mentioned Moro. He was talking about situational football. He said he's learned more about situational football in six weeks in Philadelphia than he has in six years. But that's a Sirianni thing. Like, that was already going on. That's like a Nick Sirianni obsession. So I don't think that part of it's going to change that much. Right. Um, I think, you know, if you look at Sean Desai in Chicago, and that's all we have to go on, um, he kind of overloads a little bit more than Gannon. So you might see third and 13. You might see Redick and Sweat on the same side, try to take advantage of of a matchup. Um, But ultimately, yeah. I mean – but here's how I describe it. There are a lot of people who thought the Eagles changed defenses from year one to year two and Nick Sirianni. They didn't change defenses. They just played the 50 front more because remember they didn't have Jordan Davis. And then they brought in Linval Joseph. Um, they, they, they didn't have Hassan Reddick. They had Jannard Avery. So, So they played more of the 40 fronts.
9: That's a big difference, by the way. (laughs) That's a huge
4: difference. So they played more of the 40 fronts and the Fangio philosophy than they did the second year because they had better players to run what they wanted to run.
9: Well, and that too, John, I mean, the one corner you had, um, who was the guy from Pittsburgh, Kansas City? Nolan uh, Nolan Carroll. Um, Who played the opposite corner the first year?
4: uh steven, nelson. steven nelson yeah
9: yeah right well Stephen nelson they had to play him so far off the ball because they knew everybody was going to run past them bradbury much better they had so you had much better play on the outside corners your linebackers last year i mean we talked about they had uh, alex singleton who gives a hell of a lot of effort makes a lot of tackles but is a guy that other teams look for on the field and say where's number 47 at let's go after him the linebacking play, I think, was one of the things last year that was overlooked about how much better they were at that particular position. And then you had Chauncey Gardner johnson making plays. The year before, your safeties just were not playmakers. They I mean, just didn't do anything. But,
4: but, but so- Mike, you bring up a good point. So, you know, you get those clips, and I already got it today. And you know this. When when the team does well, it's the players. When the right. team does poorly, it's the coaches. Uh, they they succeeded despite Jonathan Gannon. You hear that all the time um, because the players were so good. Well, those players that were so good, especially on the back seven, T.J. Edwards is in Chicago, Kaiser White's back with Gannon in Arizona, um, Marcus Epps is in Las Vegas, C.J.'s in Detroit. Sean Desai's up against it If if it's the players Those players aren't there So the assumption that Hey, maybe Nicobe Dean's better He's got the potential Um, I'm pretty sure Nick Morrow's not going to be better I'm pretty sure Reed Blankenship Isn't going to be better than CJ Um, You know can Terrell Edmonds be better than Marcus Epps? Maybe in a different way, not in a way the Eagles want to play. Uh, you know, can't have it both ways.
8: Yeah, you're essentially
4: getting
9: you're essentially getting six new faces and a new coordinator on the defensive side of the ball that will be getting a lot of snaps.
1: Yeah, no, I but taking John's point and taking it a step further. Of the Eagles' defensive starting defectors that went elsewhere via free agency, certainly Javon Hargrave had the biggest statistical season. I'd say even bigger than Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who had interceptions and probably was going to run away with the title if he hadn't got hurt late in the season. Uh, but Javon Hargrave was just phenomenal last year. But they went out and used their ninth pick in the draft to basically – replaced Javon Hargrave um and there's a lot of pressure on uh, Carter to come in and be good right away what's the position that the eagles are going to most have to explain 2 weeks in 4 weeks in 6 weeks in yeah we're trying to get better at that we can be better at that we're gonna make adjustments to be better at that. what on the defense in a replacement position, do you think they're going to have the biggest problem with That's
9: it? a great question because you have two new safeties, two new linebackers, and two new linemen. So you have two new of everything from front to back. And I don't know. I think the safety spot, you know, last year Marcus Epps came in and at first before they made the trade. And now Mountain they made the trade for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, who wasn't really a full-time safety. They kind of just assumed. He can go play safety. He had played a lot of corner. But Marcus Epps coming in. We're like, can he really be a starting the guy? And they brought out Chauncey Gunner Right now, I don't know that you can anybody can guess who the two. I mean, you might be able to guess, hey, yeah, it's gonna be Terrell Edmonds and Reed Blankenship or Edmonds. Um, you know. So to me, the answer is safety because the linebackers, I think you say. N'Kobe Dean is going to be at least one of the guys. Morrow the other. Maybe they'll look for an upgrade tomorrow. The two defensive linemen, both highly, highly drafted. So you would have less questions about them. The two safeties, whoever they may be, I think is definitively, I don't know what you're going to get from those two. And what is the high ceiling? What's the seal, the high, you know, the high mark for those guys? I think the high mark for N'Kobe Dean is he could be a really good player. The high mark for Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, they both could be really good players. The high mark for the safety spot, not sure what the high water mark is there. So i go safety.
4: Now, what's the low water mark, Mike? That's that's the key. Because everything in the NFL always, maybe a couple things go right. But if I give you five things, I guarantee you five things aren't going to go right. Um things can go in a negative direction as well. So what is the floor of, of that particular defense and, and particularly the back seven?
9: That's another good question. I know this. Uh, we saw what the floor was for the linebacking play over the last couple of years and how different the linebacking play was. And what did that mean for the defense? I don't know, because linebackers in this league get so overshadowed. There's just something that like, you know, unless you have really good ones, you know, Tampa Bay had great linebackers and it was like, Are linebackers making a comeback? No, not really, just in Tampa Bay, because they had good ones. I think the Eagles linebackers were. I mean, when you had Nate Geary playing linebacker for this team, (laughs) it was atrocious. That's why I said 47. Where's 47? There he is. Go right after him. You know, Blankenship is one of those guys that if he's on the field, I don't know, the floor or teams saying, hey, we've got to get somebody lined up in the slot and try to run in the seam and run past that guy? Um, Do you find way Like, if he's on the field a lot and you're an offensive coordinator, I would imagine during the week you're saying, okay, how do we attack that position on the field, the safety spot down the middle? You know, how do we take shots down the field with that grouping? Terrell Edmonds, you know, he's just kind of a vagabond veteran player at this point. I mean, people – look at what the the floor is okay um the Eagles have had these guys right they've had these veteran players who came from other places and they just you know they're solid not spectacular type of guys they make mistakes they get beat you run 50 plays a game 47 of them they usually do their job but the other three it's you you take your chances a lot so I don't know the big thing for me is I don't think you have a playmaking guy. Chauncey Gardner Johnson, you had a guy who can make plays, make stuff happen. Do you have that guy right now? So the ceiling would be safe, not spectacular. Well,
1: but here's here's where I'll disagree with you. You're leaving one of the safeties out, and he's a guy who just got here in the draft this year in Sydney Brown. Um I've got more faith in Sidney Brown. If if you put the guys right now who you think are going to be the starters, and yeah. we can all debate that, and until Sirianni or uh, uh, Sean decides said so since we're on the defensive side of the ball, it doesn't matter. Um, I got more faith in him stepping in, oh, maybe even overachieving, being a breakout guy as a rookie than I do Christian Ellis replacing Nick Morrow or Sean Bradley replacing nick morrow or davion taylor replacing nick morrow even though they've all been here before their upside to me doesn't cut it sydney brown's upside and it might be because we just don't even know what it is yet right could be higher than anything else the eagles could run at linebacker so for me the position that i will be scrutinizing more than any other sorry about this big guy's nick morrow uh i'm worried that's why i continue to beat the patrick queen uh, queen Drum, ante up, Howie. Go get yourself a real linebacker from uh, Baltimore.
9: Well, no, and you're right about Sidney Brown. I mean, he could end up being the playmaking guy. He could end up being that guy who you know exceeds what we had thought. Because we have this thought in our minds when you're not that high draft choice that okay, you're only a third round pick. What, how good can you really be? It's almost like a wait and see thing. But you know, from all accounts very athletic guy, possibly a guy who could be that playmaker. But you're certainly right about the four options at safety are certainly better than the means of the four options. I like Nicobe Dean a lot. I, I think now if he can hold up, he's small, we get that. But I think he is going to be an excellent an addition, playmaking addition to the defense. The rest of the group totally agree with you, Jody. Uh, the floor a little low.
4: At Mike Gill's show, Mike Gill, uh, listen to him if you're down the shore locally in the Delaware Valley, the sports bash every day. Number one again, Mike Gill. I saw your number one again. I used to take my victory laps when I was part of the show every day. Now I can't do that. But uh, congratulations on on being number one again, drive time in South Jersey. Um, you know, it's funny. Jody and I do this every day talking about the Eagles. You do it every day. We, but Jody and I, we don't talk about Jalen Hurts anymore. It's amazing. Who, who, who are you referring it, to, Jody? It, it, no,
1: amazing. come on. We did
4: yesterday. Chris yeah well
1: Sims added him to us on a yeah. platter. Yeah, we actually did Jalen Hurts. We probably hadn't done him in two weeks. Yeah, but we did yesterday, courtesy of Chris Sims.
4: But yeah. at, at, the, the point I'm trying to make is we don't talk about Jalen Hurts like we're talking about um, the defensive backfield, the safeties. But last year at this time, that's exactly what we were doing. We were spending all our time talking about what's his ceiling, what's his floor. Um, now he's just constant to the point where number seven in the NFL, which is pretty damn good, by the way, Chris Sims you're you're pretty good that's disrespect that's disrespect that's how things have shifted so dramatically for Jalen Hurts in a calendar year now if you look at his career even when he got benched at Alabama but you look at it from year to year to year to year and Nick Sirianni's talked about this very rarely do you have player gets better and better and better and better and better, and better, with no hiccups. To date, that's been Jalen Hurts. Can he possibly get better than he was last year? Because that was pretty, pretty impressive.
1: Second best player.
4: Uh, yeah, definitely. He definitely can get
9: better, and I think he will be better. I, I, honestly, I do. Um, You know, you said we didn't talk about year because it was an unknown kind of we saw him his rookie year very infrequently. His second year, he took over and he was good, not great. And the conversation was: Do they need to upgrade that position by the veterans that were available on the trade market, or they had that they had a draft choice? So it was: Do you draft a guy? Do you trade for a veteran, or do you give? Did you see enough from him the year before to give him another shot? I was on camp. I saw enough that I want to see more. Now, nobody thought you would go from the 2021 version to the 2022 version. But I think what we learned about the 2022 version is that there's still more to go. Because if I know anything about Jalen Hurts that I've heard over the years was tremendous leader, work ethic. I never heard about great arm strength, accuracy. I always heard about the other things. So if the other things never go away, you would imagine he's going to keep getting better and better and better because... That's where he got to this point was. It wasn't about your arm strength and your accuracy and your decision-making and all those things. It was about the intangibles. Well, the intangibles are still there, so that tells me this guy is going to continue to work hard, continue to get better. And, oh, by the way, the talent around him will keep evolving to make him better. He's still got A.J. Brown to, um, to keep that continuity with. Devonta Smith, Dallas Goddard. It's not like this guy had this huge year and then all his pieces left him He's going into year two with the same group of guys. So I only see him and this offense continue. Now, the the coordinator is different, and we heard so much last year. It's, oh, it's the first time he has the same coordinator two years in a row. I would imagine that there is a lot of synergy, though, between what they did. The the coach was here. It's not like they had to go from another organization and bring him in. So, yeah, I I definitely see another step in the right direction for – Jalen Hurts, which is uh, pretty impressive to think about, right? All
1: right. Let's finish on a Jalen Hurts note since we went there. Should Eagle fans be proud or petrified that I think it's later on today they're going to name the cover boy of the John Madden fantasy football uh, video game? Video game. Uh, The Madden curse has (laughs) kind of gone by the board the last couple of years. Mahomes has been on it twice over the last four years and hasn't really affected him much, including being on the cover and winning the Super Bowl last year. But forever, that was like uh, guys would run completely and totally scared of being on. Although it's an honor and you get a check and everything else, uh, they didn't want to be on Madden because whoever went on Adam, Adam Madden seemed to drop back in production the year after. I think it's a great honor to be on the cover of it. I, I would want my guy on it if I were an Eagle fan. How does Mike Gill look at it?
9: Um, First off, I haven't played John Madden football or any PlayStation or Xbox game probably in 20 years. The game got way too you, difficult. It like, got too yeah. difficult. Like me, It used to be... Give me up,
4: down, ABC. Up, down, back It used to
9: be there, X to throw. Yeah. And the, the one year, for the people who game over there in the chat comments section... There was one version of Madden where you had to turn the quarterback's head. Like, you had to use the buttons to turn his head. To, at that point, I said, that's too much. I am out. But to have your guy on the cover, um, I was surprised that they don't do, like, Sports Illustrated, where there's, like, regional guys on the the, the front. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, if you're in the yeah. Buffalo region, you get well, Josh Allen. The
4: other the SI covered jinx. By the way, for people, jinxes aren't real. Curses but. aren't real. What's the That's new curse? Like, it's no. Taylor Swift. It. Isn't she but, the uh, new curse? Taylor Swift.
1: Yeah. But to everybody else, well, I, I'm hiding from John McMullen because he's a sports illustrator guy. <laughs> right. Martha Stewart on the bathing suit? If you, What the hell is that I all about? Not. Come
4: on. Believe it yeah. or not, those uh, decisions are made at the corporate level. I have nothing to Come do. Come
1: on, McBone. You can twist them on. You can get that. Uh, corrected. No. You got to know one... that before they ever put that out and say, what the hell are we thinking?
9: My one concern. <laughs> Maybe they're Jaylen trying to Hurt, curse her. My Dalen Hurts concern on uh, over top of the Madden cover is, did you see his swing yesterday? Awful. I mean, this is the – anytime a, another professional athlete tries to either throw a baseball or hit a baseball, you see how hard it is to play baseball. But,
1: but A.J.
4: Brown looked pretty good.
9: Well, A.J. Brown was drafted and played – A.J. Brown is a great system.
4: baseball player. You can great see that
9: he knows player. what he's doing. But any yeah. other athlete who has no idea how to play baseball, you find out how good these baseball players are. Yeah. you get. Jalen Hurts, who was number two in the MVP in the most popular, biggest sport in the in, in the America, and the swing was horrible, horrible, man. horrible swing. Jalen Hurts. And the sad, thing that surprised
1: sad. me was, what the hell is he swinging left-handed? He's a right-handed thrower. You're supposed to be swinging from the right-handed uh, side, you get if their, you're throwing the ball with the right hand.
9: Chase Utley, man. Chase Utley throws right, bats left. Yeah,
4: man. Uh, AJ is a forever. tremendous baseball player, and he will not uh, hesitate to tell you that. Um, no, he
9: looked like he could swing. Hurts having a catch with uh, Rob Thompson, he looked like, you know, sometimes you get the football players who throw out the first pitch, and they look like they have no idea how to throw. At least Hurts looked like he could throw a little bit, but swinging the bat, he was choking up a little bit. I mean, he looked like uh, yeah. Casey Stengel up there.
4: Well, as I always hope. say, for those in Allentown this weekend, Devontae Smith charity softball game is up there. Um, Jake Elliott, uh, Jake Elliott is the best at everything. Uh, anything that involves hand eye coordination, swinging a bat, tremendous softball player, baseball player, tremendous golfer, best ping pong player on the team.
9: Um, I had a guy that was my roommate in college who was the Jake Elliott. It, just the most unassuming guy. He could throw a dart in the middle every time. Yeah, pull yeah. every single time. Free throw shots every single time. So he gets called at a Brooklyn, uh, New Jersey Nets game. This is back when they were in Jersey. To, to shoot the half-court shot for like $50,000. He's a ringer. And he makes it. Yeah, he's yeah. one of these guys that owns like a boardwalk game and can hit the baskets. every. He knows exactly where to I, – I, some of those guys are just like that. They're the best at the weirdest things. But he made the shot from half court and won like 50 grand.
1: So I'm guessing Mike Gill paid the price in quarters at some point hanging out with this guy. Oh, yeah, he
9: could bang him into that oh, shot glass, man. bang, from any <laughs> angle on the table. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Mikey Gill, great stuff. Always a pleasure, bud. Uh, you, you got a game this week? Are uh, you going to be out there in, uh, in the dugout, Coach?
9: Yeah, man. Friday night playoffs. We've just began um the uh the state tournament starts July the sixth. So we're coaching, we're practicing up to that point. We're in our regular season right now.
4: Now, is there a lot of pressure on you now? Uh because of the prior successes. Uh you know, well you guys I will have a say- down season.
9: The the lot of program, like last year, we hosted the regional in, in Ventnor and teams from like the region that came to play here. They wanted to take their picture with us.
4: Yeah. Now you get these parents that are kind of crazy and, you know, well I'll tell you like
9: the, um, because this is Babe Ruth. It's still like quote unquote, a rec league. A lot of the travel players, they will pause their travel season to play on this team because we have had such notoriety over the years, that, that they will, you know, everybody wants to play on this team. Right, now we I'm worried that-
4: about your ego. Now you got to check your ego. You got to keep <laughs> no, behind it. You got to keep uh, behind it.
9: We, we certainly get a lot of people who have interest at this age group. And, you know,
1: now but, is it just 13 years old? Th- 13. We uh, have a 13, 14, the league is 13,
9: 14, 15, but okay. the all star teams are individual 13, 14, 15. The regular season, the whole batch plays together.
1: Okay. Yeah. Cause shoot, I'm surprised that they're still, when I played baseball hundred years ago, there was a specific year. Thir-
0: you know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator
1: Team and they called it Graduate League and then Babe Booth was fourteen, fifteen. and yeah. you're telling me they, grab, they put 13-14-15 all together well, Babe Ruth. It, it, well yeah because
9: of the numbers issues I mean there's just not enough kids anymore there used to be a 13 prep league it was called and then the 14s and 15s played in their own but yeah, now yeah. Yeah. they just kind of mix them all together
1: all right, Coach Gill, outstanding job out of you. Thank you very much for jumping in. We'll talk to you again next Wednesday. See how you did uh, coaching this weekend.
9: All right, boys, take care.
1: That's Thanks, Mike. Mike. The sports bash, number one down the shore. Uh, yeah, like John said, kudos to him. If he's still killing it on the radio side, he does so as well. When he joins us here on Birds 365. All right, Jody Mac, Jody Mac, I got Gill's take. I got to get McMullen's take. He, he sounds to me like he's worried and he's nervous. The Madden curse could be in play. Jalen Hurts oh, yeah. oh, could I, be on the cover.
4: I can't get any sleep uh, because of that, Jody. You want to come back
1: and see Sleepless in what town do you live over in Jersey there, buddy? Uh,
4: yeah, I don't want to mention that okay. anymore. Yeah, so yeah, many be knuckleheads good. out be there. Egging, I got a lot of threats. Up. I got a lot of threats over the Russell Wilson stuff. Uh, you know, Sleepless, Sleepless
1: in South Jersey with John McMullen coming back next here on Birds 365.
6: Gles Eagles.
1: Yet Mac and Mac, John McBone and Jody McDonald, hanging with you on Birds 365. Uh, less than 15 minutes from now, uh, we get our bud, um, who's joining us today? Oh, Chris Franklin. Chris up, Franklin uh, at at 9:20. All right. John, I, I read this yesterday. I had it on my, my notes for yesterday's show and uh, we got busy, so I, I never got to it. Um, on Bleeding Green Nation, our buddy BLG, Brandon Lee site, um, they got a guy who roots for, uh, writes for him who's written some interesting articles. As a matter of fact, I asked BLG for his number. I just haven't called the guy yet. I'd like to try and get him on here with us uh, one of these days. Dave Mengels, Um Wrote a really interesting piece yesterday about outside the box, borderline insane ideas to potentially change the National Football League. And one of the things he threw at the wall to see if it would stick, and it uh, drew my interest enough, realignment in the National Football League. Uh, My buddy, Jim Bowden, former general manager of both the Cincinnati Reds and the Washington Nationals, has been on this baseball needs to realign kick for about nine months. And he puts up an article on the athletic where he just tweaks it a little bit, uh, like every three months, just to say, why this would be a good idea and changes just a little bit. The same freaking idea he's had for nine months. And he's gotten about three articles out of it because he just changes it slightly enough but it's about realigning uh, divisions and leagues and moving teams around and everything else. And I had never seen anybody do with the uh, NFL before. And it certainly grabbed my attention. Do you think the NFL needs anything like that Do They they need to mess it all with their product and, and jumble things around just to, it'll grab attention. It'll get a lot of conversation and uh, maybe even generate some interest, but you'll also probably tick off some players you think the NFL needs to mess with the realignment?
4: Well, I don't think they have to. I mean, they've realigned before. I, You know, they went to four divisions, you know. Uh, you know, the Central doesn't exist anymore. For old school people, they understand what that means. Uh, uh, Seattle changed conference. Who else changed conferences? There were two teams Um uh, Seattle changed conferences, wasn't there?
1: Oh, way back when, the Cleveland Browns change conferences, didn't yeah. they? But that's
4: like um, way, Now, way, the problem bit. you have is the rivalries. And you know what, Jody? I don't think they're as, as important as they once were. I mean, people were – there are certain – like here, we always talk about Eagles-Cowboys. Well, that doesn't make any sense from a regional perspective. But it's just been in place for so long, right? And there's been such angst build up between from the fan base. Um, people can't even imagine it, you know. If you're talking about, you know, local rivalries or regional rivalries, which make more sense, um, and just aligning things from that perspective, um, as as it becomes less important to people, I guess it's a possibility. They've already talked about expansion to Europe. If they eventually have a European division, they're going to have to have a lot realignment. So it's happened before it'll happen again. I can't tell you when, but they try to protect the big rivalries. So in the NFC East, they're all big rivalries. Um, They try to uh, protect them, but, Think about the name of the division. Why the hell is Dallas in the NFC East? Uh, 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 we don't. But a lot. the
1: rivalry is just too good. I sure as hell don't want to give that up. Um, yeah, if they go. what are they going to add eight teams in NFL Europe? Is uh,
8: that is that not a pipe division. dream?
4: I I think so. But you know, they've been talking about it for so long. I mean, we we know this league is about money, and you know they they've maxed out pretty much what they can do in this country. So you got to grow other places. Um, and Jacksonville would be the first team because, you know, their pseudo home team in London, uh, because the cons are, you know, big over there to begin with. They own a soccer team, um, football team over there. Um you're going to put 14 and the logistics. See, that's been my problem. The logistics of of, of traveling back and forth. But that's become easier. When, when they first started those London games, Jody, teams would go out there for the whole week. They'd complain, uh, you know, jet lag, blah, blah, blah. Now they go out, you know, as late as possible and try to get the game over with and come back as quickly as possible, so. I mean, money, we've seen it in the past. Money is the be-all, end-all. So if they can make money, they will do it. Let
1: me ask you about Jacksonville being Team Europe. And they are. It's just uh, check, check who's played over there the most. Uh, they couldn't sell out games at home. So they said, well, at least we can make more money if we go to Europe because we'll sell that bad boy out. Um but now the Jags are actually good, and we tip the cap to uh, former coach Doug Peterson from here in Philadelphia. And, oh, by the way, they've got the sixth-best quarterback in the mm-hmm. league as compared to the Eagles, who have the seventh-best quarterback in the league in Trevor Lawrence. Um, if Jacksonville gets real good, is Tony Khan going to say, yeah, we don't want to be Team Europe anymore? We're, we're doing just fine. We're selling out our house every single Not yet.
4: Week. Not yet, because they, they want a new stadium and they can't get that's a dump, uh, for those who don't know down there. So, um, and, and the market as a whole is a really small market for an NFL team. So their revenue, uh, you know, if you think about just the size of Jacksonville versus London, there's a lot more revenue opportunities in London than there are in Jacksonville. So, I, I mean, Tony's not going to admit it, but no, they would. If they're going to have a if they're going to have a European division, Jacksonville's going to be in London. I guarantee it. Fair enough. Um, and here's a good thing about playing over in London. And
1: I have not been since when was I in London? Nineteen ninety? Shit, that's a long time ago now. Um, going over to London, you know what the NFL players could probably do, John bet to their heart's content on their phones. No, they can't. Or... They can't. Uh, how, how about that? Can you not play in London? Are you they not allowed? Is in, that part uh, of the restrictions? When you're abroad, you can't use your app to put in a couple of wages? Do you know that for a fact? Well,
4: it, it, no, you can you could bet on other sports as long as you're outside the facility. You can't bet inside the facility. So, you know, depends. Jackson, right, but you've got no facility in Uh, Well, Jacksonville moves there, yes. You can't bet on NFL games, though, anywhere. Um, So it depends. You can parse it. Um, But, you know, just put the phone down is what NFL teams are trying to.
1: Some of the guys can't do that, Yeah, Well,
4: obviously, they can't do it. And
1: yesterday came out uh, another plan of cults who – violated the rules and is going to get smacked upside the head with a suspension. And there are whispers that is much more prevalent than has been oh, acted God upon yes. just yet. God, yes. Eagles um, got any issues here? We we got any guys that are going to um, show up, pop up on a list to find out they're not playing. We like to talk about the depth and positions every single week and the strength. Of, All you need is to get one guy suspended because he put in a three-team NFL wager and somehow the NFL got the access to those wagers because of their (laughs) partnerships with all these betting outlets. Some teams in the NFL are coming into the season not up to full strength because they got guys who can't put the phone down, as Johnny Mack likes to say any chance the Eagles uh, are going to get
4: smacked up? Why not? I mean, I, I have no idea. I can't tell you who's betting on what nobody can. So the NFL has got to tighten this up. I mean, I think it's way too overbearing. You know, if you want to say you can't bet on NFL games, fine. Um, if you can't say, if you want to say you can't bet in NFL facilities, fine. Um, and that, you know, that's the demarcation line. That's the demarcation line. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think anybody believes Detroit had a couple players suspended. Um, now you have the indie issue. I don't think anybody believes those are the only four players that are betting. Um, so then you start to get into this. You know, I know Florio wrote about what if a superstar gets caught? Are they going to have the same, you know, overbearing approach. Is
1: is not a legit question out of Florio?
4: No, it's a legit question. Yeah. Um, Are they going to have the same, oh, we're going to suspend the sixth best quarterback in football, uh, Trevor Lawrence, if he's caught betting? um,
1: Oh, I like the way you started with the sixth rather than the seventh best quarterback.
4: Well, that's why I did it. I did it for you, Jody. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I would certainly. I think Mike's uh, conspiracy theorist nature is on point with that one because I don't. You know, if Baron Rodgers gets caught in the darkness with a spoon trying to get his light and he puts they, down, do the they table, have a
1: dark enough place on the facilities yeah. that he could get smacked upside that? Um, I don't know if the Jets have. that. I've been to the Jets complex. I don't think there is a dark enough spot to him for him to get in trouble there.
4: Yeah, I don't think they're suspending Aaron Rodgers for a season or even half a season. So, yeah, I think they're full of you know what, and especially now that they've been brace gambling and are making money on gambling, it looks even worse. But all these things are collectively bargained, and you know, then it comes down to all right, this is the rule. Then they got to just say this is stupid. Let's stop this and let's renegotiate. Um, and I don't know when they get to that point.
1: Now, if we're talking about Eagles here, and I get it, I'm, I'm asking you a question that you wouldn't have access to this type of information. you try, but uh, probably nobody does. Do you think big Dom is the guy, if there's whispers within the organization, hey, this guy's been here. I he saw him on his phone. It was uh Saturday before the game, but, Uh, We could uh, have an issue here. We have a problem. Who goes and talks to the guy that they're not sure about, but they have concerns that he could be making wages that he's not supposed to make and they don't want to see him get a suspension? Is it the coaches? Is it Dom? Who do you think uh, says, can I take your phone just a quick second and take a look? Yeah, which the player isn't about to give up. But who, who do they send in to have the preemptive conversation about Again, you understand the rules about where you can and can't bet, what you can and can't bet on. Who's who's handling that for the Eagles?
4: Well, I think you're getting called to the principal's office then. Jeff Lurie? No. It's going Howie. all the way
1: up to Jeff?
4: No, Howie. Um, oh, Howie. Yeah. I, Howie's, I, I, a, I,
1: Howie's a bad cop?
4: Yeah, if there's concern that um, – and, and people know you're betting on games, yeah, I think you're going to get uh, – I think you're going to get called to the principal's office. Mm, um,
1: Principal Roseman. You don't want that call.
7: Yeah. All
1: right. I uh, John McMullen Jody McDonald here with you on Birds 365. Chris Franklin, our bud from NJ.com, going to jump in for a couple of minutes. Uh, keep it here on Birds 365.
5: Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch six ABC twenty four seven with the six ABC Philadelphia streaming app.
6: For the big story on action news, search six ABC
5: Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game
0: on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes.
1: Back here, McMorland and McDonald. Who we are, Grace, with the presence of one Chris Franklin from nj.com. He's back in church again with the crossover. <laughs> Good, to uh,
4: Good to have you here with it. us
1: today, Chris. Appreciate it greatly. The uh, Church of the
4: uh Gloucester County Times.
10: Uh, <laughs> I have to go to confession a couple of times. Um, I, I need to. I need to absolve myself from journalistic uh, stuff I've done. Um, I had not uh, used the Oxford comma oh, in the right no. position. Oh, and uh, I, the lead—you know—I got—I have to absolve myself now. Uh, peace, <laughs> peace, be
4: with you, Chris. That's uh, two hail marys. What's uh, uh,
1: since? I, and I didn't mean to do this, but now that you went there, I'm going to follow up. <laughs> um i could i could get you in a lot of trouble by saying what's the thing that most sucks about the job that you have so i won't say that uh but instead what is the toughest thing about your job your outlet the people you do it for the team that you cover what's the toughest thing in chris franklin's occupational uh life these days
10: i promise, i just kind of wish he had more football i'm one of those guys like uh, I like being, I know it's a practice, and you don't really get to, like, there's not much going on. I just like being near the field. I like seeing all the little details. I'm that geek that looks going, wow, they have the new drill. Let's see how they incorporate it to the office or how this one is. That's the one thing I'm like, I I have a problem. Uh, I have a serious problem. Like, I'll watch the generator, like, give me all the tape. I'm with you, Chris. I
4: was all excited by (laughs) the seven on nine. I had never seen a seven on nine drill. You you usually see nine on seven where it's offense with the nine defense you work on the running game when people used to work on the running game (laughs) the eagles had a seven on nine where they left the two edge rushers out there on seven on sevens just to sort of mimic the the pass rush and have the guys chase behind yeah i'm a geek with that kind of stuff i thought that was interesting
10: yeah, I think that's support, especially 709. Get a true, truer feel because there's only so much to those orange pads when they're coming towards you, simulating the fact like, yeah, okay. yeah. It, it feels With like the a magic part. The
4: broom, you know, the yeah. broom, uh, <laughs> blow over the broom, something yeah, like I, that.
10: I, I like that stuff. Like, I, I, I miss that. That's the one thing i probably say that. that. And I wish we had more people down in South Jersey, but that's about it.
1: <laughs> the massive disrespect shown Jalen Hurts by Chris Sims ranking him number seven coming into this year. Seven's yeah, I'm, pretty good. I'm beating the snot out of Chris Sims, and I'm sorry. <laughs> At some point, you just gotta go. This guy's poked me in the eye three straight years. I picked him outside the top 40. He plays in the 20s. Oop, I look like an idiot. I pick him number 23, he wins uh almost wins the MVP, his second best quarterback in the league. Oops, I look like an idiot. How do you come back again and put Trevor Lawrence ahead of uh, Jalen Hurts? Do you think Hurts gets anything out of this as far as motivation goes? Or is he just so focused and locked in that idiot talk show hosts like Jody McDonald get more worked up about this than he actually does?
10: Chris Sims does a good job, did a good job because he got us talking about this. Because I think a lot at this point, I think now it's just like, okay, let's see how I can do this. So I get riled up. It's just I I it, I just look at that and I'm, I'm looking at the list and some of the things I'm like okay yeah seven now I probably put them I probably put them two I uh, probably put three two or three somewhere in that range because right. it, it, to me it's really tight when it comes to uh him and Josh Allen I just look at like so the, he's getting to talk and I think for motivation no, I think the biggest motivation for Hertz was walking off the field having to look back at the yellow and red confetti that was going flying around and he had to walk back to the locker room knowing that he wasn't going to hold the Vince Barry Trophy I think that's a bigger thing as well too but. Yeah, I think that was just more – I think that list more and more, like, from from Sims. to someone days like, yeah, he wants to hold on to, like, his initial thought, but at the same time, it's like, all right, let's see how many people I can get talking about this.
4: Yeah, well, uh, top 40 versus uh, – he was out at – I'm pretty sure he was out at the top 40. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, to number seven, he's already said, all right, I made a mistake. Um, so now it's just Parson, you know who the top seven quarterbacks are. Um, And I think Jalen's above that, but I don't think it's tremendous disrespect, like not using the Oxford comma. I'm a big fan of the Oxford comma. (laughs) That's disrespect. Um, But nonetheless, I, I do think it's kind of amazing. We were just talking about this last hour, Chris. We don't talk about Jalen Hurts. The only time we talk about him is when Chris Sims pops his head up and gets us talking about it. Now he's this constant. It was the exact opposite last year. You were on the show. We were talking about Chris Jalen Hurts. Can Jalen Hurts do that? Um, now, whether he's number seven, number five, number two, number one, as he was on one day in February, even though he lost the game because he played better than – Patrick Mahomes I will go to my grave saying that on that particular day um he's good it's kind of amazing the the, the progression in 12 months
10: i think that's what a lot of hard work does for you you saw what that put in whatever when he went out there whatever he learned while he was at out there in South, southern california and coupled with actually being in the same system two years in a row i think that was the biggest key for him and now you get him in, in, in probably for what, like a like basic term, like pretty much the same system now, probably with some little variations now. In year three, I think he can really take an, I think he can take another level and make another jump for this as well, too. So, I think, uh, and I also think it comes with that uh, you have a when you have a low key, low demeanor like he does. I think that plays a part of it too, because if you were doing shrooms or you're out in the wilderness like Aaron Rodgers, I think everything you be like, oh my goodness, look at this, like look at him trailing. Now I think that when you hear like okay, he's talking with like, he's doing like commercials or something like that, or he's playing softball, he's playing baseball. So like I think that's when you start to see, like, all right, yeah, he's just mellow chill. We don't talk to him about him as much when it comes to like that. So
1: all right. Johnny made a uh, reference earlier in joking fashion about stopping the run and protecting against the run. Nobody thinks about the run until they have to think about the run. But I'm thinking about the run today. Because the Eagles put forward two running backs made available to you guys in the media to be able to question. And they give deference to the guys who've already been here. Boston Scott, who's, believe it or not, one of the longer tenured guys on the team. Certainly, he is numero uno in the backfield. uh, But his now uh, five years with the team actually adds up pretty damn quick. Uh, Kenny Gainwell also accessed uh, yesterday. But they went out and got two talented running backs. One injury-prone one slight underachieving from first round draft sta- or early second round draft status. What's your read on how the Eagles are going to handle the run this year, Chris Franklin? I don't think we've asked you about this just yet. Um, more than last year, less than last year, different than last year. What is the new Eagle running game going to look like in 2023 under new uh, offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson?
10: I think it'll just be a tick lower. I think I think they're going to try to set a little bit more stuff to pass because, that was interesting when you have game. We have we, heard all the time when Nick first got in here, how they wanted to pass, how they want to throw, throw, throw. And they got that, it was because they were concerned about Hurts at the time. But now I think that you added some running backs that have better capabilities receiving the ball. I think it's one of those things where they try to go ahead and move the ball down the field. Try especially early on, try to get jump on teams early. Maybe that involves DeAndre Swift. I think who I think is going to be wound up being the starter. I think they go to him. I think Penny gets a. Tad touch fewer snap uh, reps and him, rushes them. Then I think you mix in Gainwell as well to your third down guy and Scott being your uh, situational guy too. So I think it's going to be a tad little, but I think that, I think having Swift and Penny and with Gainwell and even Scott to a degree too, I think you have more of an option to start throwing the ball to the running backs and, and spreading this offense out even more. Spreading
4: defense out even more. So you don't want Dalvin Cook, Chris? Uh, nah. DeAndre Hopkins. Leonard Floyd, they didn't get Leonard Floyd. (laughs) Um, You don't want uh, Dalvin Cook because it's pretty clear that, you know, back in the day, the Eagles wanted Dalvin Cook. They were really interested in Dalvin Cook in the draft. Uh, Minnesota jumped up and uh, uh, the Eagles went Sidney Jones. They were going to draft Dalvin Cook. Um, Kind of silly at this point.
10: Yeah, if they didn't have – say if they didn't address it, Miles Sanders went elsewhere and you only had, like, say, Gingold Scott I think Cook would have been your guy. But also, I think even now, I think he really wants to go down to South Florida and start enjoying that Dolphins team. And when more and more you look at that Dolphins game coming up, it's going to be really – if they add Cook to that, it's going to be potent. But I think, yeah, right now you roll what you have because you still have those weapons on the outside of wide receiver as well too. So – and you want to compliment them. you don't need you don't need a dominant back in the system. You don't need a guy that needs I need the ball twenty times, twenty five times because it seen we've seen that when you parse it, it just diversifies his offense even more. So I don't think they need cook right now.
1: You let yes, I John and I were debating a little bit on uh, the Eagles third wide receiver. We know who the top two are. We know what uh, Quez Watkins' strengths and or weaknesses are. Uh, we're almost uh, to the point where a camp is around the corner, uh, how he was good last year and that he made late in preseason acquisitions, the biggest of which, of course, was Chauncey Gardner. Do you think that they are going to start the season with the wide receivers that are in camp right now? Or do you think there's an upgrade out there for him at wide receiver?
10: I think they will start with the four. The, the, the main force is you know, Olamide Zaccheaus, i throw him in there as well too because i look at walk like though even though Quez had took that step back and he has he, he still has that speed to like you have to honor it because you know he, he, i think it's more like a, a 40 50 55% chance you know he's going to catch that ball in that situation going against the a and judge you hope he gets up to 60 in that in, in that range so i look at i look at him i still think he he's going to get a lot of play just for what he can do for everything else underneath. And I think Zacchaeus. I think it's going to surprise people. To me, Zacchaeus is going to be like a Jason Avant type guy. Like he's not going to blow past you. He's not going to, he's not going to run. Through. you see the wheel routes and he's going to be a burner, but he's going to be that guy, you know, you see the first down marker sits down, find it. Hey, I'm open. I'm a target. And I hit him that way. I think he's more of that one. So I think given that you also have AJ Brown and Devonta Smith, given those, those other elements that you have on there, I think they stick with the four barring unless, one of those guys get injured. if they do then yeah i think they're in trouble
4: (laughs) you know one of my criticisms of of nick and and shane uh and there weren't a lot of them last year because the offense was so good uh but one of them was you know you've heard nick kind of pay lip service that everybody plays everywhere wide receiver you know aj can play um, obviously, he's an X, but he can play in the slot. He can play Z. Devontae can play in the slot. Um, Quez can play in the slot. Did play in the slot. Well, I think he played in the slot too much. I think Quez is a natural sort of Z receiver. Just run by people. That's what he does. He scares people because um, he can run a four, three, two, or whatever. Um, and he, if you look at his numbers. Had about 700, and I'm going off the top of my head, but he had 770 snaps, something like that, something in that range. 500 were in the slot. It's like, why isn't Devontae in the slot on key third downs and Quez outside? And I think they have a little bit of a a luxury now with Alameda because he's a natural slot receiver and maybe they can piecemeal it a little bit better. But Devontae and A.J. can do anything. And we had Mike Quick on the show last week, Chris, and I asked him this question. And he doesn't like to pigeonhole guys. But Mike was really good, too. In other words, just because Mike can do it and A.J. can do it and Devontae can do it, that doesn't mean Wes Watkins can do it and Greg Ward can do it and Britton Kobe can do it. They do certain things well. Why not use them in what they do well?
10: You can. I think, I think just when you have the versatility that you can use them and you throw the threat, because it's almost like one of the things, like here comes Quez. Well, we know what he's going to do inside this middle here. He's going to be either a go or he's going to be a stop route or something like that or, or a slant. I mean, when you get a three, it's it, it, predictable. I want to see it personally. I w- if I was going to, know, I know you have Dallas Goddard. You need to get him his touches and his snaps on the field. You could even split him out wide if you want to. I want to see more four-wide receiver or or really spread them out because I think it just puts that much stress on a defense and the fact that, okay, you have to account for all these receivers. You have to make sure that you have, don't get burnt deep. You have to make sure you got to watch underneath, especially with Brown and Goddard. And, oh, yeah, you got a running back who can be swift who can catch the ball at the backfield. Oh, yeah, you still have to account for Jalen Hurts back there trying to run around. And if he doesn't see something he likes, he's going to take off and get you on the outside. So. I want to see him spread the ball out a little bit more. I think he can get, also get a little bit better, better uh, especially with that offensive line. I think he can get some good run looks as well, too, when you start to spread people out. So getting back to the slot thing, I think it, it, I like to see when you – I like to see – I wouldn't mind seeing Ques on the outside a little more. I think you could – I'd even put when you have Brown and Devonta Smith on one side, you get Quez, and Quez on the outside, well, M- media in the middle in the slot. So that way you start to – you give a little look, and you have to respect that a little bit. you you getting him to start to look as well, too. You have all those options available, so – I, I like the fact that you can move him around a little bit, but, you know, I, I think he's more – I think he's you – can, you can still do that. You still
1: need to learn all all the positions on that. All. all right, I want your crystal ball guess here, and then I also want you to tell uh, those streaming in how you think the Eagles make a decision like this. Is Britton Covey going to be here? He was yep. basically the only guy who returned punts for the Eagles last year. They threw – uh, Devontae back there a handful of times, uh, two or three, uh, not a lot. And you don't want to put him back there that often because you can't afford to lose him. because we're back to Quez Watkins as a two rather than a three. Uh Oh, that's not good. Um, is Kobe going to make the team just because he's their only punt returner? Is there anyone else that you think could make the roster who did some returning in college and ends up being a guy they can actually use on the field at, there's some point somewhere just in case whereas i don't think britain cubby's getting on the field if he's not returning punts how, how's that punting uh competition decided punt returner Do they do it via practice is it the the uh joint practices the all-important joint practices which good on <laughs> both you guys so you don't have to get on a plane to go see them this year uh the unimportant preseason games how are they gonna decide who's going to be the punt returner for the eagles
10: it's going to be consistency during practice, and I think in those games because you see you get used to seeing those two punters all the time. You get to use out of balls coming off their legs. I think it's going to be more of those things where those joint practices could help and also the gains. But I really think – I think this t- team carries six wide receivers, and Covey's going to be one of them because the one thing that they really pride themselves on is not turning that ball and muffling the punts and giving teams a chance to basically have the ball deep in their territory. So he's, he was able to consistently catch the ball, but we've seen him – when it comes to either practice and mostly any games, stuff like that for, he did a good job making sure the ball didn't hit the ground. So I think he's going to be a guy. I think he makes the team is at five. I think if you're looking for a six wide receiver, I think he'll it, or backup the other guy who would be a good punt returner. You don't want to bring him in that situation is Devonta Smith. Right? Yeah, they, I mean, they have I all mean, these kids doing his stuff in a pinch. I mean, you can, you can have Watkins doing it in a pinch. You can even have Slay doing it in a pinch too, but you
4: want quest, to has got plenty of opportunities.
10: I think he's more of a kickoff returner for me if I had to
4: use him back there, but to yeah. give him a head start, but Hey, probably call fair catch now with that Super bowl. But yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's true. I think Britain's going to make this team. I, you know, people kind of slept on him late in the season. He started getting some returns when the blocking got better. Um, He had a big return in the super bowl that was kind of overshadowed by the other guy, but nonetheless, he had a big return um and he looks quicker uh we only saw him once we'll get to see him again tomorrow but he looks quicker this year i think there's a a big leap from year one to year two typically with young players um i don't worry about him as the punt returner um but i do worry about the depth but it's a luxury right i mean if you lose a player like AJ Brown or Devontae Smith, you're you're screwed. I mean, it 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 doesn't matter if it's Jamar Chase or Tyreek Hill or insert superstar receiver name. No team is equipped to replace that type of player. Yet, I think in Philadelphia, everyone expects the Eagles to be equipped to replace that type of player. It's not possible, is it?
10: it- it's not you, you'd have to shift a little bit. I think you probably have to use a lot more, a lot more Dallas Goddard in that aspect because you try to use him basically as another receiver as well, like a true receiver in that aspect. Because I think he, he'd be a guy that they had to fill in and almost because of your quasi outside guy, you could try to do that. But it's tough when you lose an impact guy that defensive coordinators have to <laughs> make sure they cover or make sure they account for on the field at all times. It's really tough. I think personally, the bigger competition to watch is like the sixth guy. I, mean, I think there's Greg Ward, I think you got Ngata and Hazel. I think that's where you start to see really who's going to thing. And I think if you need another punt returner in that case, you still have Greg Ward and watch. He's done as well too. You're not going to get those 10, 20, 30 yard return possibilities, but you know you got somebody to safely catch it. So.
1: Uh, if Britain covey is a lock for one of the wide receiver spots, you better hope for not uh, having injuries. Uh, forget about the fact that the drop off from AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, whoever going to replace him, is a, a girth as wide as the uh, Grand Canyon. But then you got to go ahead and replace. quite Yeah, I just, I'm sorry, and I'm sure he's a nice guy. You guys have talked to him. How good a guy is Britton Covey, by the way? Wow. Right. Good maybe dude, the or... great,
4: maybe yeah. the greatest guy in existence. I don't know. He's in the conversation. <laughs> He's the nicest guy. He's the nicest guy in the world. But right. uh, and
1: I, I, I kind of feel bad. But I'm sorry. The Eagles need a better uh, depth at wide receiver than Britton Covey. Well,
4: he's not. He's not going to be the backup to AJ or Devontae. That's Quest. That's Alameda. Um, he's going to be the punt returner. That's his role. Um, and if you're down to number five or number six, if you keep six, as Chris as you know, then Joseph Nada, for instance, he would he would leap Britton Cubby, or or Hazelwood would lip, l- leap leap Britton Cubby if he had to play. But if you're down that bar, all I'm trying to say is you're screwed anyway. So yeah. I mean, then you got to go about it a different way. Then you got to go run, about run, run, it run. a different way. <laughs> Dallas Goddard's got to be your star, and um, you know the running game becomes more important. The running backs, then you do have to get the ball, maybe to DeAndre Swift in the passing game. You got to go about it a different way, is what I'm trying to say. Agree right. or disagree.
8: I agree what, with that, but it.
1: I'm sorry. Right now, your you depth chart, your depth chart. And Chris just told us, Cubby's going to be on the team. Utah's going to be one of the six wide receivers. If they could find anybody who could return punts close to what Cubby does and can actually be a legitimate guy to play from the line of scrimmage, yeah, I'd, I'd be looking to do that if I were Eagles, but that's uh, – and I feel bad because you tell me Covey is like the nicest guy and I'm
4: bad-mouthing him here on Bridge 365. Well, oh. he's Mormon, so, you know, they are uh, they are straight-laced, as they say. All right, uh, is Dante uh,
10: Hall coming out of wa- uh,
4: retirement? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that it's going to be rough. easier said it. than done uh, to find uh, these types of
1: players. Basically, what it comes down to is Jody McDonald's a jerk. I get that. Uh, right. um, Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis? Who is there more pressure on coming into this year, Chris? Because one was drafted a little bit higher, and in most people's opinion, <clears throat> should have been a lot higher. Jordan Davis went where Jordan Davis was supposed to go. And the Eagles jumped up to make sure they were in position to take him. They traded up to get him at a spot that he figured to go. If he wasn't going to go there, he's going to go to the next spot anyway. Most people had Jalen Carter as the potential first overall pick in the draft before the season happened. He had his off-field issues, but everybody loves his talent level. Who's there more pressure on, the first-year dog or the second-year dog?
10: I think it's more on Jordan Davis. I really do, because I think when you look at what he's going to be asked to do in this defense, trying to control the middle and trying to be the person that's going to require two or three players – to block him in the middle, I think that, and if he doesn't do that, I think that you're, you're going to see a rough year for this defense because you need, especially him in the middle, when when he wasn't playing as well as he could. And when you start to look at when the Eagles had those issues in, in, in the middle of the season, when their teams were running against them consistently before they had to get Linval Joseph and Dominican Sue, it just kept the, it, it just it's a domino effect because you keep the offense from the side, on the sidelines. You're just wearing down a defense overall and just when it comes to easy move. So I think there's more pressure on him for him to play to the level they expect him to play. I mean, Jalen Carter, he's going to be relied on a lot, I think earlier on especially as well, too, given a look at, the early, look at the rotation, what he can do in that defense and everything else. But I think you can get by with where he's going to play on that defensive line. I think you can be okay with that. But if you don't get Davis to get that pressure in the middle, you're affecting the other rest of the defensive line. You're affecting those linebackers mm-hmm. who are not the biggest guys to begin with. So if you start doing that, that could have a – domino effect I think down the line this season if he doesn't play well
4: by the way I think you're a hundred percent right Chris and everything you just said uh, but I think the bigger reason why Jordan is under more pressure and Jody can tell you I've said this from day one he's not getting stats and people want to see stats and they want to see sacks and they want to see tackles and even if he's doing his job People, there's gonna be a lot of people that say Jordan Davis didn't do this, Jordan Davis doesn't do that, and he might be the most impactful, you know, keeping people off Nicobe Dean, Nicholas Morrow. I think people forget before he had the high ankle sprain, he was playing really, really well. and well, yep. And the Eagles fell apart after Marlon Tui Peloto got hurt and Marvin Wilson couldn't hold up, and that's when they called up Lindball. And then they're in deep Super Bowl mode and he missed a month and Lindball was playing well. And they were like, well, let's let the veteran. And they kind of pulled it back on Jordan Davis. But I think he was playing well before he got hurt. I'm more concerned about the conditioning, the injury aspect to it, because if he gets hurt, again, what are you going to do? Are you going to call Lindball again? I mean, he's out <laughs> there. I well, guess he will come Lin-Ball. back but they don't have a backup. Maybe Noah Ellis, Christian's brother. We haven't gotten to see him. He's coming back from an Achilles tear. He's 350. Um, Maybe he can do it. I don't know. I don't know that much about him. Um, He's a really important player, but I just don't think people will recognize success without stats that are put in front of their Yeah, here's
1: here's my concern with Jordan Davis, if he goes down with an injury again, like he did last year. And John, you're right. He was playing damn well in the first month of the season. And you saw the difference with him out of the lineup until uh, when they until they got Sue and Joseph to come in and and fill that void. There was a big time issue here. Here's my concern this year. If uh, Davis goes out in late September or something like that with an injury, They put in the call to Linval Joseph and he says, yeah, you know, call me after the holiday. Hey, I I don't want to put in (laughs) and how he goes Columbus Day. And he says, oh, no, no, Thanksgiving got big Thanksgiving plan. So call me after that holiday and I should be ready to gear it up and go for you guys. That's one of the downsides of guys who are just part time players. And when I say part time, I don't mean during the game. I mean, during the season. And John, what was the name that you came up with it for? Not ring chasing the buzz,
4: mercenary but... markets.
1: The mercenary <laughs> market. Think, well, I think if Hallie you're in Cree... the mercenary market, you get to dictate when yeah. mercenaries come back and fight again. And I by the way for the Eagles
4: and Dominic and Sue was on. I think it was football um, uh, game day morning, whatever it's called. I want to give him Jody. You're a fan. Good morning, football? football. Good morning, football. Thank you. Um, I think it was on that show. He said, "Yeah, I'm done with training camp. Like he 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 still wants to play, but he admits I, I I'm not going to training camp. I'm not doing this offseason nonsense." Uh, I think Howie created a market, and I think there's going to be it's going to be a small group, but guys who've made a lot of money. So you know, and Dominic not need the money, right? Um, he doesn't need the aggravation but he can still play, just wait and pick. All right, who's who's looks like a Super Bowl team? You need a defensive tackle? Yeah, I'll play for you. I think it's uh, smart, but Lynn Ball's made a lot of money. Um, I don't think there's a lot of people in that category, but I think he created sort of a new market, like the buyout market in the NBA. I think, you know, how he's ahead of the curve, man. That's what I give him credit for. Yeah, because and
10: you know they—that's where you got to hope. By that time, you got to get out to a good start because if there's something like say about if they're treading water at 500 and, and like looking at yeah, that a wild card team, yeah. that's good not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> good luck, like come to us. You can play, you be the sixth seed, and you can play uh, no. on the road. Like, yeah, I, I'm going to go try to get a ring over here. I'll see y'all later. Good All luck, right. though.
1: Yeah, Chris Frank. <laughs> I'm going to put the pressure on you. We were talking about who's got more pressure. Which of the two defensive tackles from Georgia on the Eagles gonna have the biggest pressure? I'm putting it on you. I'm gonna put you. it on phone afterwards, but I'm gonna let you go first. Um, <laughs> uh, tomorrow you got uh, your last media session for a while because there's no mandatory minicamp, so you're gonna to have to wait till action camp before you get to talk to any Eagles again. Uh, uh, Sirianni's basically a given. You got to get the coach once on the record before uh the camp shows up player and or other coach john's gone down the brandon graham route a couple of times now and brandon graham missing out
4: brandon that's weird what man.
1: the hell hey McMullen gave me a hundred percent or it's going to be no. Brandon graham and he hasn't shown up yet so you got to give me one other guy coach or player not named nick seriani who you guys will get to talk to tomorrow
10: I'm cheating. Hard. I'm completely cheating on this one. I'm saying Jalen Hurts. No, no, yeah. I'm cheating, on that. Are cheating. I'm cheating.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, we already know. We're well, only getting. Yeah, one that's play. Say, I'm
10: cheating yeah. on this one. Yeah. I'm oh, going, <laughs> it. Oh. yeah but yeah, uh, if, if it was, if I'm going off the board and saying that Hurts is. Not so do you gonna, think it's gonna
1: be just hurts oh, and Siriani tomorrow or is it gonna be yes. somebody else yeah yeah we are? Yeah.
4: that's why we had the Tuesday media availability because we're not yeah. gonna get the, uh, <laughs> it's just two it's it's that's the tough. coach and
1: the quarterback tomorrow. Yes, yes. it's okay.
10: getaway day yeah I am like, a bit like it's, 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 like it's the last day of it's like the last day of school I go Everybody's out of, out, like, out.
4: Yeah. just don't Ooh. go to cheerleaders Don DeSantis <laughs> saying <laughs> So go to cheerleaders.
1: on that one uh, go
4: over the bridge was, was cheerleader uh,
1: where Aguilar got caught
4: yes or, yes that that Aguilar. was just, that was the joint all right good there were two other players uh, with him that shall remain m- nameless but if people remember they remember Chris Franklin you're
1: allowed to go to cheerleaders you're yeah. gonna have to answer to a higher power over your shoulder uh but ne- neither McMullen or I are going to call you on the carpet for that It's a fine
4: establishment I'm just saying the Eagles stay uh stay away from cheerleaders
10: any of those types of savages? I've never been. I can honestly say I've never oh, been. Wow. A-
1: and he that's does it with a straight face. I appreciate it. That. That true.
4: That's true.
10: I, I'll keep the reason why off that one because I think that's uh, that's Bird After Dark, but I, I've never been. Yeah. That's, you I've are, never been you and Britton
4: right. Covey. You and
10: <laughs> Britton yeah, You know what? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe, who knows? Maybe Tanner and k Who knows? I don't know. See, <laughs>
1: Franklin, oh. always a pleasure. Appreciate you jumping in, bud. We'll talk to you again in a couple of weeks.
4: All
10: right. That's thanks, bud. Thanks for having me Thanks. Have a good one now.
8: That is Chris at Franklin.
4: C. Franklin News. Make sure you read uh, Chris at NJ.com. Does N- a tremendous, tremendous job. NJ.com for Chris Franklin. Funny dude. All
6: right.
1: Uh, McMullen, McDonald coming back. You know what we're going to do. We're going to put a bow on the show.
6: G-L-E-S. Eagles.
1: Last couple of minutes for the uh, mac mac get-together here on Birds 365. We were having some fun with uh, uh, Chris Franklin and saying, you know, before you go out the room, you can go get a little uh, holy water and then head out the door. Do us a favor. How about hitting that like button before you get out the door today? Uh, where the algorithm is... Uh, always a question. So you can give us a hand. You make us look good. And we need to take a look at McMullen and I. Yeah, we, we could use a little help with looking good. So uh, feel free to hit the like button, like, share, and subscribe uh, to your boys here on Birds 365. All right, you, you're going over the bridge today, huh? A little...
4: Uh, no, I am not, Jody. I'm not allowed to say that, so I'm All not right. going over the bridge, but uh, I might be going over the okay. First. You might be going right. <laughs> uh,
1: sorry, I'm, I'm blowing your cover here. Uh, so with the fact that tomorrow is the last practice before they take basically summer break, which is only about a couple of weeks before camp gets underway anyway, um, are we assuming that the Eagles first round draft pick? is staying here in Philadelphia and is going to continue to hang with his Georgia buddies now relocated to a Northeast city like Philadelphia. Or is he getting out of Dodge too? Because that, that's an ongoing story. We knew it from the time the Eagles called out his name at number nine. Can Jalen Carter keep his nose clean here? Um, Anybody uh, passing any, information and or rumors as to what jalen card is going to do during the downtime because he seems like he's acclimating himself well here to philadelphia is he going to stick around
4: um i doubt it um i don't know that 100 percent. i mean it's a long time july uh late july uh june 6 uh, most guys scatter Throughout the Do you know what go the go first
1: home. day of camp is? I should know and I don't. No. I'm apologizing for it.
4: No, they haven't announced it. They won't announce it until mid-July uh, is my guess, typically. Um, it'll be late July, you know. Um, but no, I mean, guys go home and it's their right to go home and I, I expect them uh, to go home. And that's when we see, you know, it's sort of become a cottage industry across the NFL where guys have, um, specific coaches, uh, you know, quarterback tutors, pass rushing specialists.
1: Jalen heading out to the West coast again this year, or was he good enough, uh, being runner up for the MVP? that he says, nah, I don't need to get. To now he
4: already said he was going out again. I think he, he, he's already been out there, so I don't know if he's going to go back out there. Um, in this, um, um, you know, from – he'll be down in, obviously, Houston, the Houston area. But, um, yeah, everybody's offensive line masterminds. Lane's a big part of that. Tight end university. Uh, Dallas Goddard's a big part of that. So you're going to see all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that that's all over the country. And, yeah, right. guys aren't – you know, guys who live here stay here. Guys who don't live here year-round I usually go home and I imagine Jalen will probably go home.
1: Is Devin Hester gonna run a camp for punt returners? And will Britton Covey be in the mix?
4: I don't think uh I I don't think I've ever heard a punt return yeah. camp, uh, but he'd be a good one to do. Talk it. about talk
1: about disrespect. The only thing more disrespectful than Chris Sims having Jalen Hurts at number seven is the fact that we can't get a camp for punt returners. Work on that, guys. Work on that. Come on. McMullen and McDonald need something to talk about here during the month of July. All right, J-Mac, uh, feel free to stay home, get a nap. Since you're not going anywhere, just uh, <laughs> kick back, relax, take it easy. But you'll be ready to meet, uh, be ready
4: to join me tomorrow. I right? plan. Who knows, you know, who knows if I can get back over the bridge.
1: Who All knows? right. Uh, McMullen and McDonald back here on Verge 365 tomorrow in 2 and 2
3: you've been listening to birds 365 the destination for the passionate eagles football fan who bleeds green if it's eagles football